Hello and welcome to another comedian's interview for my blog and podcast, A Rich Comic Life. My name is Richard Gill and my blog describes my experiences of watching over 1,000 comedians over the last 47 years. And my guest today is the fantastic comic, Mr. Brennan Reese. Yeah! <laughs> Hello, mate! <laughs> How are you? You all right? I'm good. Yeah, I love doing this. This is this makes me love comedy again. <laughs> You're very kind. Well, we love watching you, the audience. Thank you so so much for doing this. Um, uh, the interview is going to last about forty five minutes to an hour, and it's going to be all about your career in comedy. And I'd like to go right back to the start and ask you, how did you become a comedian in the first place? Oh God! It was I don't I don't know how many comedians choose to be comedians. To be honest, <laughs> I, I, I did it. So I've always loved comedy. Yeah. But always, always since I was like, I think I first maybe discovered it when I was about eleven, twelve. My brother, who's about ten years older, had a had like a couple of videos of like a couple of Lee Evans videos, like live from Scotland. Oh, fantastic! He had um, maybe like an Eddie Murphy Raw video, which I think every lad at that point probably would have had and i remember seeing a couple and being like what is this well, i never saw it before well that's a that's a viable career option and then it's always sort of been around and then when i went i went to, so i've always been involved in performing sure but i went to drama school when i was 18 and i went uh, to birmingham and for my i think it might be my 19th birthday i went to the birmingham glee club just because I've never been to see live comedy before, and I couldn't believe it. Like the lineup was amazing. So it's like <laughs> it was on. It was Greg Davis opening. Wow. It was um, Lloyd Langford in the middle. Brilliant. Jamo in closing. Wow. And um, Jared Christmas was the host. Oh, you couldn't get better. It was it was unreal, and I thought, oh my god, comedy is amazing. <laughs> and then the next night, I booked to go on my own. So I was just trying to find any other comedy night. Yeah, yeah. And it was like a rubbish open mic. And I thought, all right, well, comedy's not that good. <laughs> <laughs> and Some nights sort of, better than others. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I, got, I, I got this fixation then. And again, never never could quite see it as a job. Yeah. So when I left drama school and I was 21, I worked for a good couple of years doing bits and bobs. And then and, and then I, I just didn't. Like Sometimes the phone just stops ringing. So I... I I made a list of all the things I wanted to try once. And it was things like I wanted to go rock climbing. I wanted to do, um, I wanted to go and see like the ballet. So I made a list of all these things. Yeah. Just stand-up comedy was one of them. Wow. So I just tried it once and loved it. And it went wet. Well, I say it went well. I bet <laughs> if I watched the video back, it'd be awful. But because I was used to being on stage, I was quite confident. Yeah. And I used to speak so fast that the audience couldn't even <laughs> heckle or anything. <laughs> and, um, and, and then so I did it once it went well so I did like a gong show at um, a place in Manchester called the Frog and Bucket oh I know it well know it well so won that one and then I did another one at Preston a week later won that one and I thought oh my god I might be the next uh, Michael McIntyre <laughs> <laughs> then I did you my never third know. <laughs> one which was a King Gong which is a brutal yeah, one yeah 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 yeah. Fell onto the stage, like really fell. Oh mate! First onto the stage. It's fine because it gave me about two, three minutes space period. Because people were really laughing. Brilliant. And then I thought I might be, I might actually be brilliant at stand up. And then I did my fourth gig, which was in a snooker hall in Rochdale, and Amazing. I was dying that bad on stage. There was a curtain partitioning off half of the snooker hall, so snooker was still going on. This is how I knew I was dying that bad. I heard two snooker balls gently brush against each other. No, 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 <laughs> no. I was like, oh, maybe, maybe I'm not that good at comedy. Remind but I got the bug then. I loved it. I was obsessed. You were, you were away. It, it 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 reminds me of the old Les Dawson story when he was starting out. He used to he used to play pool halls and he, and uh, and and he used to just hear them click. With the yeah. pool cue, it was a similar thing because they were more interested in the pool <laughs> than the comedian. And when you said about Lee Evans, um, I first saw him at uh, the Boddington's Dream Tent in Manchester with uh, um, Jeff Green on the same bill. Wow. And, and so you had the quieter 
but superb Jeff Green, and you had the manic Lee Evans, and it was just extraordinary, you know. Because um, I've seen him live a couple of times, yeah. but he was always in, like, he was always massive by then. My yeah. brother was lucky enough to see him in sort of maybe like 1,000-seater, maybe 2,000-seater theatres, which I think would have been perfect. Yeah. You get to see him at an arena, and it's great, but it's not quite... It's not like, like a big screen, is it? You need to see... We were, we were very lucky because one of the... Um, uh, the tryout shows was at the theatre at my home city in Carlisle so we would mm. go to the sand centre and that would be about 2,000 for him but we'd always yeah. try and get the front row because you'd be shaking his hand at the end of it and he'd be yeah, so yeah. manic and stuff he was an amazing and, and what a not a not a mentor but what a a, a, a way to think to yourself this is amazing you know if i can get this reaction every night what a way to, oh, to, to to go incredible so so there you are what what sort of year is this that we're that we're talking this would be like maybe like 2011 right and uh yeah it's around that time so then i just sort of i, I really was quite lucky i made a nice gang of friends yeah within comedy so there was about five of us who i think pretty Bar maybe one. No, there's about seven of us, and I think five of us still are comedians. So it's like me, Kiri Pritchard McLean. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Um, the guys who were in like Tarot. Yeah. 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 Good job. Well, a couple of them. Um, Pete Otway, who still gigs around. Yeah. I heard a bit. Yeah. And Will, Will Duggan. Yeah. Brilliant. And we were really lucky that. So we'd all, that was my favourite bit of comedy. I've been so lucky with different bits but I always whenever I speak to open spots they always go treasure this bit because it's the most fun bit where you all jump in a car you drive to like Leicester or you know Carlisle someone, yeah, <laughs> someone, someone out of the five of you are probably going to die die <laughs> and, it, and it, the good thing about us lot is it was it was never the same person we all it was always mixed up and we we were quite good at, at, at boosting each other's level because someone was someone would shoot off and start maybe doing weekend clubs yeah. so then you'd want to get better so then you'd do it and we all used to meet up we we used to have this whatsapp group called midnight curry uh, <laughs> where we sort of got off the open spot bit and we were all doing like middles we'd never do middles together because it's usually a one person so what we would do is if we were ever gigging about an hour away from each other we'd all meet up and have a curry at midnight Brilliant. and talk Talk about comedy, slag off other comedians, <laughs> talk about who's been slagging us off. It, it was honestly one of my favourite, it was one of my f fondest memories of, of of comedy altogether. That's wonderful. That, that is so good. And I think with having a group of you in it all together at the start, it, it gives each other confidence. And the more you do, I say, I, I, I can imagine, the more the more you do, obviously, the more experience you, you get. Mm. But um, so, so... So there you are, you're doing your first three or four gigs. One of them was a gong show. Three of them. Three of them were a gong show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, what a way to start. I I, I had a similar experience. I, I, I knew at the time the Edinburgh uh, Free Fringe promoter, and he said to me, I said to him, I want to get it out of my system. I support a lot of comedians. I think I can have a go myself. And he said, we've got a gong show at the hair market for, uh, it's for, it's for old people. And, I, and, and it was on a Monday afternoon. It couldn't be worse. And, 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 and I wrote this script and I walked out. And uh, I said, ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. There's three people in. And, and I said, and I said um, uh, people think I look like Eddie the Eagle Edwards, the ski jumper, but I can't see the resemblance myself. And, of course, I'm his double. And one bloke at the back just went, fuck off. <laughs> and I walked up to me, the guy goes, have another go. I said, no. I said, never say never again, but yeah, I'm yeah. supporting them all from the seat. I learned my lesson. But, oh, mate. So, so the gong show, quite a very difficult way to get in, but it, gave, it must have given you a spark to think, this is great. I want to keep doing it. Oh, God. When I got to do, because... There's so much pressure with a gong show because you can get... Yeah. <laughs> and then, so when I finally got to do... Like, there's such a difference, I, I believe, to sort of, like, starting comedy in London yeah. and starting comedy maybe up north. Yeah. And I think the few different reasons are there's a huge open mic circuit in London. People stay on it for years and years and years. Yeah. And it's very hard to get onto pro nights. Whereas in Manchester and the surrounding areas, 
you can end up getting on pro bills pretty quick because they have the open spots in the in between the two good acts. So when I finally got to do like a maybe not a weekend gig, but like a and maybe a Thursday, and you get to do five minutes or ten minutes. I think in like my first few gigs, I was on with people like Gary Delaney and oh, uh, no, Jason Buck. Yeah. yeah. So. So one, you learn by osmosis because you're surrounded. You go, oh, that's how you get ready. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas if you're doing it in London, yeah. you could be like king of the open spots and do a gig at the comedy store and you're actually the worst thing I've ever done. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> and then secondly, it was so nice to have that freedom of, like doing five minutes at a gong show, there's, there's, it's, you've got to be quick and you've got to be... You've got to be on it. Be, yeah. yeah, like... Da, 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 da. Yeah. But... They might give you eight minutes, and having that extra three minutes, you're like you can breathe. You're like, God, I don't know how I'm going to fill this. <laughs> write a song, write a song, anything. anything yeah. well, I think we've all done that. <laughs> I'm, I'm jumping forward a little bit, but it was um, when I went up to Edinburgh Festival. Yeah. In 20, I think it was 2015. So it was before I went to go and do like my first proper hour. So I did like package shows where they take like four acts up and this and the other. And I was doing like, I think I had a spot, maybe a slot for about 35 minutes. And I'd only really done like 20 minutes. <laughs> and I wrote a song just to fill five minutes. Fantastic. And I, 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 I could play guitar, I could sing, but I don't want to be that comic. I don't want to be that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. That's so good. So there you are. You're doing five minutes in. Did you start off properly um going um to uh five minutes in pubs did you have friends going along with you to gain the experience because because um i i spot a lot of up-and-coming comedians and i'm always the friend because they know they're going to get a laugh (laughs) (laughs) was that similar with you it's it's so like, yeah, that was the case where yeah. I had lots of really supportive friends where I'd drag them to things like yeah. the Lapping Horse New Act competition or yeah. uh, So You Think You're Funny Heat. Yeah. Dread, dreadful, dreadful. Like, it's really unattended. <laughs> but I'd drag them along because sometimes it was about who had the most friends in. Right. And when you go down to London, mm. <laughs> you don't have any. Like, it's a bit of a tough one. But there's people like you who I think are brilliant where, even to this day, where you, there's certain areas of the country where you'll gig. There's, there's these two sisters who live in the northeast called Hillary and Susan. Right. <laughs> I've come across you, them. <laughs> have you seen them? No. They're, they're I'm just making notes. When you see like people like yourself in the crowd, people like them, who one they love comedy, and two they are like as you said, like they're that friendly face in the crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, even now, after I've done, God knows how many gigs I've done, it's still like makes me feel better that's so good because you want them to have a good time because yeah, they yeah. love comedy and two it just feels like you've got a friend in in a different place and i love that that's exactly right my friend um i who i did come across um he's called the comedy nerd and his name's mm. mark and i don't know his surname but he, <laughs> he he just comes along to the, he's known as the comedy nerd and he's as, he's as bad if not worse than me <laughs> but going to all the comedy, but but that's lovely because um, the audience are there obviously to support and to have a good time, and that's a reason why I write the blog. It's so positive because um, uh, it's such a wonderful media. To, if 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 the audience is sitting there and you don't you just don't know what's going to happen, that's magical when the when the laugh hits and the laugh rate God, is yeah. high and and it. it a lot of comedians say it's like taking a drug, and I'm sure it is because you're on such a high and you need to come down. Yeah, like it, <clears throat> honest to God, it can get you like it can get you on a drug. Like, if you're tired going home from, let's say, like Kent, you've got a three-hour <laughs> drive. If you've had a belting gig, yeah, it can, it it can probably get you to Stoke. <laughs> I'd say it can get you on the way home. I know um, Stoke well, well. I went to college in Stoke. Right. Did you? Um, <laughs> yeah. And then on the flip side, you have an absolute stinking gig, which Touchwood doesn't happen so often now. It gives you a long time to be thinking about it. You go, God, I wish there was a Richard Gill or a Hillary and Susan. <laughs> Sitting there. It's, <clears throat> it's funny because um, this uh, interview has been recorded in April time. I've, I've just seen um, Ed Gamble on tour. 
uh, in Carlisle. I've just been up to Carlisle for Easter. And I was standing in the second row. I gave him a standing ovation and he came back and he, and he said, Rich, he said, it's so good to see such a funny face in the crowd because he had a load of hecklers. And I'm thinking, oh, come on, come on. Yeah, the yeah. worst thing. But um, but he dealt with them brilliantly. He's a great comedian. Anyway, I can't imagine you having a bad gig. Um, can you tell me today what has been your best and worst gigs, please? Oh, right. So best. There's a handful of them. So there's there's like landmark gigs where things like doing like the Apollo, where yeah. you go. Congratulations. I never, never, ever, ever dreamed. But I, I mean, I dreamed of it, but I never thought it would come true. And it was brilliant. It was perfect. I got all my family and friends that have been to all those terrible gigs. And I just said, we're all going. And we had a great time. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, which was brilliant. One of my favourites was, I was really new. And this might have been about 2012, and there was four of us that had somehow wangled to be the only comedians on at the Isle of Wight Festival. So it was me, it was Pete Otway, <laughs> and then two, two comedians that don't even go anymore. All open spots, all got maybe, what, 10 minutes each at best? Yeah. And we were all doing 20 minutes. And I think we'd wangled it because there was a lad who doesn't gig anymore called Lewis Charlesworth, and his sister was like a pop star. <laughs> and I think them, her management had got us in to play the, the cabaret tent or something like that. So it was, first of all, it was really exciting because it goes, oh my God, we're at a festival. <laughs> secondly, <Yeah. laughs> I, I drew the short straw of being the last one on, which now would be the great thing because you go, great, I'm, I'm closing the comedy tent. <laughs> but it was just, I was on last at the comedy tent. And it, it was all right for everyone. And then it really started to rain, like really rain. So it, it filled up this tent and it was about a thousand people. And at that point, gigging to a thousand people was like the the best and worst thing you could ever think of. <laughs> and it was going okay. And then suddenly all the power cut out everything. Oh, mate. Oh my and I, God. And I, and I don't know what, what happened, but something came over me where I, I felt like an like an old Irish storyteller in a pub. So I, I got out into the crowd. I think I stood on a speaker and oh. everyone was gathered around. And I just sort of yelled for 20 minutes. Oh, no. And, I mean, maybe looking back, it might not have been as good as it was, but in my head, it, I felt incredible. The reception was, like, probably because the jokes were okay and the willingness the, the spontaneity room. as well just to do it yeah 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 and it made me go Fantastic. oh god I can, do, I can do anything yeah yeah and yeah yeah i literally got like do you know when people say oh i got carried out of the gig i got carried out of the gig <laughs> and it was, it was amazing it was so brilliant that is an amazing high. story yeah. for a difficult gig I, I remember similar. Um, I went to see Joe Caulfield once, and she was back, uh, she's one of the best. She's been on here, and um, uh, she um, she walked out and said, "Good evening, ladies and gentlemen." The lights went out, the power went <laughs> down, and she just talked to the gig for an hour, and they couldn't wow. get the thing back up. It was the most incredible performance, and and that's the magic of live comedy. You never know what's going to happen, and if yeah. you go along with it the audience love you. And I think that's a great quality you've got because you're very endearing, you're up for anything. It's it's wonderful to watch and see. Um, when you're on stage, what do you like to talk about? Do you have any specific things? or? Um, I, th I think at the minute, I'm probably going through a bit of a, um, uh, what would you call it? Like, um, I just feel it's changing a little bit. Not in terms, I just think because when I'm getting a little bit older, and two, I want to try and every time I do a show, I always want to try and push, push myself to learn a new skill or, or develop in a different way. Yeah, yeah. So like my first three shows, I don't think people expect me to do that kind of show because I was sort of classed as a northern club comic, which I wear as a badge of honour. I think a lot of London sort of reviewers, very middle class, actually use it as a as a put down. Never. Which. Yeah, I, th I think it's. I, I do. I do think that the comedy industry is very classist, um, and, and to the to the north, I think sometimes that it, it can get a bit of a like a. They think we're 
in the dark ages where we just do my mother-in-law jokes. <laughs> What's wrong with the mother-in-law joke? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I think when I did my first few shows, I always talked about, like, I love talking about my family yeah. because most people have got like their niche where you might get like some comedians and they go, I love like drag queens and LGBT culture. And some people go, I'm really whimsical. My, I think my bread and butter is, the, I love people. I love the people yeah, around yeah, me. Yeah. I love people at gigs. When people go, oh, hecklers are awful. I'm like, I don't, I, I mean, you can get awful ones, but I think I, there's something quite exciting about being in a room full of people. It's fuel, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I used to talk quite a lot about very nostalgic things like growing up, being looked after by my nan, my mum and dad, being at school. I used to talk about being quite awkward, which I, I think a lot of younger comics do. Um, and then now as I'm getting a bit, not old, but older, I can't just be like, oh God, I'm really bad at sex. So like, <laughs> it's like, it's like creepy. <laughs> so now what I'm trying to do is, talk, like, I don't really have many routines where I talk about like ideas or my thoughts on stuff, mainly because I don't have many opinions on things. <laughs> I, just because I one, I'm not. I don't. I don't watch the news. I yeah. think it's awful. Yeah. I don't. I don't really get involved in debates or anything like that. I think it's just not really my thing. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of my stories were very like linear storytelling stories. Um, lots of like heartfelt bits. Lots of um, I'm quite honest on stage. That's so a, now that's, what I'm trying to do. Oh, sorry. Come on. I was just going to say that's another magical bit of your actor, your honesty, and you're down to earth, and it's it's mm. it's it's very very warm to an audience. So they will, when you walk out and uh, start doing your act, you'll mm. you, you'll that they warm to you very very quickly. So you can basically say what you want, really. Yeah, and and I think it always comes from a good place because I love comedy. Yeah, and because I I hopefully like i think treat it with the respect that it deserves because i think that i love like old comedy yeah yeah and I, I think there's such a brilliant british tradition that you know everyone's always obsessed with like who's new and i think look a bit look back a bit further yeah yeah, yeah. Got such a rich history of comedy yeah and i love jokes and that feeling of 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 being able to not push the the envelope in terms of reinventing the wheel or being offensive i never like to be offensive i like to be like cheeky yeah 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 like i would to my mum and dad's friends when i was a kid yeah so i think i can get away with a lot because i'm trying to be a, a well-presented version of how i would be at my mum and dad's house that's brilliant that's such a good answer and and when you're going on about reviews and everything um when i um uh was researching the blog um, uh, that I was invited onto a writing course and the woman said to me, um, uh, we, we forget why you're here. And I said, well, I'm not a reviewer. I'm not a diarist. I'm not a critique. I'm not uh, a, um, a, a publisher. I'm a, I'm a member of the audience out to have a good time and I'm trying to do a positive thing in such a wonderful industry. And they never yeah. bothered me again. <laughs> you know, they it, never, is, it was like... I think it's so bizarre, though, that... <laughs> yeah. that like you know even the word critique is such yeah, a horrible, horrible awful because there's a there's a thing that um i think this is true i hope i've, I've remembered it right but john peel the, the yeah the, oh, mate we used to listen to brilliant. him all the time yeah and what he would do is he would he'd people would send their cds or tapes or vinyls or whatever yeah. and he'd review everything but if he didn't like it he, he would never air the review exactly because yeah and then it was such a seal of approval. And I think reviewers now, especially when you go to Edinburgh, are sort of looking to trip the comedians yeah, up. Yeah, very and much think, so. What, what, what are you here for? Even like the... There's I no think point. Steve Bennett is, who's like, I guess, like the main one. He feels like the, the one that most people have a bugbear with. Yeah. Mostly, I think he's quite fair. But I do think that he... I don't think he takes like the laughs into account. I don't. I don't. I don't think he takes into the audience reception into account when you can really rip a gig. Yeah. He sort of, and I don't really have a problem with him. I know lots of comedians that do, but he. It just feels like the gigs for him when he's right. The way that he writes, it feels like the, it was a one-person audience. Wow, that is very interesting because 
Um, when I go to a comedy night, I love to, I never ever used to sit in the front row, but I love to get as nearer to the front as I can. And if they want, if they want me to be part of it, by God, I'm there because I, you know, it's, it's, as I said before, it's fuel for the comedian. I I remember going to see Ken Dodd once in crew years ago. And his gig's just finished, hasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah, he's still going. And, uh, (laughs) and, um, uh, the first half, he wasn't going down very well. And the second half, um, he came on, he did a routine about newspapers, and I'd just moved to Crew to do some work there. And uh, um, he said, what's the newspaper in Crew? And I yelled out, it's the Chronicle, Ken. And two old women behind me went, no, no, it's not the Chronicle, it's the Mail. And I turned around and went, no, no, it's the Chronicle. And we had an argument, and he burst out <laughs> laughing and floored his act. And he, and he said to me, he said, he said, where are you from, sir? I said, Carlisle. He said, I'll see you Sunday. It's the Mail. <laughs> So from then on, it went up a gear. It was just magical, you know. Anyway, let's move. Sorry. I think that's when comedy is at its defining. Like some comedians do not like audience interaction. I, over the past few years, and maybe it's a COVID thing where we didn't really get to have it, Mm. where I love it. I love that feeling of being on your toes. That's what my next, so as I said, each show that I do, um, I try and do a different skill, but it's going to be really heavily like trying to push that because I think if something can happen in the room, it beats anything else. Yeah. Like you can have some of the best written routines, but I think there's something really magical, something really British about something happening, good or bad, and a comedian being able to turn that into a lovely little bit of... Yeah, exactly. Of, of yeah. Totally, totally agree. Um how do you cope with any nerves before you go on stage? Do you suffer from nerves? Because you're very confident when you're on stage. That's, that's why I'm asking you the question. Do you know what? I don't as much anymore. Yeah. And I, I kind of wish I did because it must, I believe that it's me being maybe slightly too comfortable with my workplace. Right. So it pr- probably needs, I need to, means I need to, write some more bits that where I get, I get nervous when I'm going to, um, when I'm going to try some new bits and I get nervous when it's like a bigger gig, like, yeah. like a, like a TV record. Yeah. Or the only place that I ever get nervous just before I go on every time is at the comedy store because I hold that as the, it, it was the gig that everyone wanted to get onto doing weekends yeah yeah i was really l- lucky i guess i waited a couple of years before i went to go and do my tryout and you go and do like a five minutes and then don ward the owner comes and gives yeah, you yeah. what he thinks of it and then if you're lucky he might bring you back for another five minutes and then maybe about six months later you might go back and do 10 minutes and maybe if you're really lucky a year later you might go and do your first 20 which is a big deal. Yeah. But my first five minutes, I was on between, so two quite famous comedians at the time had dropped in. So Terry Alderton wanted to try his um, stuff out for Live at the Apollo. Yeah. So he was on before me doing 10 minutes of absolutely ripping it. And this is the person that's had the most standing ovations at the comedy store on course. He's amazing, yeah. Yeah. So I was nervous anyway. And then um, Michael McIntyre had come in just to do five minutes because he'd done a corporate night before and wow. died. Wow, wow, And he just wow. wanted to, like, uh, cleanse his palate. Wow. And then he asked whether he could go on before me. Wow. And I just said, okay. <laughs> and he didn't do five no, I think. <laughs> he did probably 20 minutes of some of the best stuff you've ever seen. Wow. And he was famous. Like, people were clambering to... That's like, some incredible. people had gone to the toilet. And then they said, coming up next is Michael McIntyre. People ran back to their chairs... So there's half an hour of some of the best stand-up that you can That's have. That's brilliant. That is fantastic. I, I first saw him at the Edinburgh Festival, Michael McIntyre, years ago, play a tiny hut. There was about 30 people in there, and you could tell then that um, uh, it, it, it just was... He could say anything, and he was funny. And yeah. um, uh, I, I was very, very privileged to... Inter- I'm probably the last person to have interviewed Barry Cryer, who came on here, and it was extraordinary. If you listen to one of these 
interviews. Mm. One of them is Barry Cry, and of course, um, uh, um, McIntyre's dad, Ray Cameron, wrote the Kenny Everett show with Barry Cryer. And that's how Barry Cryer got to know all the newer comics. It, it, it was fascinating, yeah. big jigsaw. It's 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 wonderful. But um, McIntyre is amazing. He really is. But what a what a comedy gig that was. Um, how do you remember all your routines when you when you're on stage? Do you have a way of remembering them? I don't know actually, because I used to, I used to write out word for word when yeah. I very first started. Probably for the first couple of years. I'd write out the routines word for word and I'd learn them when I was going to try new stuff. And I'd have it so embedded. But yeah. also when I was trying new stuff, I was really like, wasn't really focusing on it being funny. I was focusing on remembering the stuff. And then I guess as I got more comfortable, I'm not one of those comedians that can go and try a new bit. Like, you know, when someone goes, oh, I'm going to do this out of They can just go yeah. and talk. I'm not really that great at that, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I'm not, again, I'm not great about talking about around ideas. Yeah, I have to sit and think and write stuff and try and form it all together. Um, and then I think it's probably muscle memory. But I, I think the best way to get good at comedy. I know I say this when new racks ask, is you like it's like going to the gym. Yeah, and I'm not really on the gym, but it's like going to the gym a couple of times a week where you you get like match fit and I've probably gigged so much in my first couple of years I was gigging like after a couple of weeks I was gigging maybe four times a week mm. and I think it just seeped into me because I was like I was doing the same bits to try and get them better and feel like they've really embodied in me Yeah, yeah. now because I've got such a because I don't really, like, a lot of acts, like someone like, I don't know if you've spoke to Scott Bennett, who's brilliant. Yes, he's been on, he's been, he's fantastic. He's very methodical, he's yeah, got yeah. big books, he's, he writes down all his set lists yeah. for each gig. I'm the opposite, where I'll go, <laughs> I kind of know where I'll start, I kind of <laughs> know where I'll finish. But in between, and this is what I try and do, where it feels like it's for the audience, is I'll just sort of mine the well of stuff that I've got. And I've got, you know, probably got about three three hours of bits that's brilliant so i just try and use all that stuff and i know i'm so well that i can sort of dip in i could dip into an old routine quite easily that is so good that that is the sign of an experienced comedian my friend it's so so good <laughs> i'm not someone who's very lazy <laughs> <laughs> i uh other other than my uh blog and podcast the most creative thing i ever did was um write a play and appear in a play called The Applicant. That's amazing. That's so hard which, to do. Um, uh, it, it, it was basically about me and um, the, uh, and I've, uh, I'd never had an interview, come down to London, never had an interview for a job and I had a successful girlfriend who had an interview and uh, who, who had a successful job. And the play was the series of interviews um, uh, and he's uh, and the whole point of the story, I'm not going to go into it, but he's never going to get a job, but he's a trier and everything. Yeah, yeah. So I had a um, interview, uh, sorry, I had a monologue uh, to set the story up and then an interview, a monologue in the waiting room, interview, monologue in the waiting room, interview. My mate did all the accents for the interviewers. First night we did it, we did it three nights for Comic Relief in 2007 and we got over two grand, which was amazing. Wow. But the first night we did it, I ran out, having written the thing and done ten minutes, uh, ten weeks rehearsal, and forgot it. <laughs> no way! <laughs> and it was like a rabbit in headlights. I'm like, oh shit! What was the next? And, and oh, just it's, trying it's to the worst feeling. Oh, but but is is comedy similar to that? Because you have routines, or presumably you can banter off the audience, and and it's yeah. seamless. Yeah. I've sort of been lucky that I've got that skill of being able to wing life. <laughs> I've, always been, I've always been great at it with like that's the title of your book. A-levels, auditions, whatever. So in my head, my head works a mile a minute anyway, um, and I'm my, I don't really switch off that often. It's always ticking along. Sure. Yeah. Way. Um, so it might just be going, 
shit, 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 shit. <laughs> but honestly, because I'm just going, oh yeah, everything's fine. This is my head. <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Right. Okay. So um, you have taken part in many com comedy competitions, including mm -hmm. runner-up for the BBC New Comedy Award and nominated for the Best Newcomer at the Edinburgh Comedy Awards. Congratulations. Thanks. Um, describe the experiences and what are your view, what is your view with comedy competitions? Do you think they're a good thing for a comedian? I, th I, could, like, I know lots of comedians that don't really like them and I can't really have a go at them because they've helped me get up the, the sort of comedy ladder a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're that great for developing creativity, but I do think that it there has to be something in place where, like, so with, with the BBC New Comedy Award, you put quite a lot of stuff on it, and I could never get, I could never, you, so you send off your little tape, and I could never ever get an audition, get never even get a heat, anything, right? And I only got the heat on the day because someone had dropped out. And they needed someone in Manchester. So this was in 2014. And luckily I was already in at the comedy store then. And it was at the comedy store. So I was fine. I was like, this is, like, I know the stage. I know the audience. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I did really well. And then they did the semi-final at the Birmingham Glee. And then I was nervous because it was the place where I first saw comedy and you want to do well there. And... I already knew that the, the, the Radio 4 producer didn't like my stuff because I'd, she told me before. Right, fine. <laughs> I just said, I, you just, I just don't really think you're very good. Wow. Which gave, gave me a... <laughs> it put a rocket up my ass to go, I'm going to prove you wrong. Yeah, too, right. So, so I, I did that and got through to the final. The final, if I'm being honest, I hated because it was at the London Comedy Store, and again, felt very at home. It was in the day, which was awful for comedy. And then, as they, they'd not done it in previous years, it was on Radio 2, and I think it was the Steve... What's that guy called, Steve? Steve Wright. Steve Wright, yeah. It was on his show. Yeah. But they break up the comedy throughout the show, so there were, I think there were six of us. <laughs> Some really good acts as well. So like Lost Voice guy won it. Yeah. Tom Ward was yeah. on it. I'm trying to remember if there was anyone else. I can't really remember. Maybe Johnny Pelham. I can't remember. Uh, yeah, yeah. But so the afternoon was hard enough because doing the comedy in the afternoon, <laughs> they'd they'd said I can't do quite a lot of the stuff that I wanted to do because oh, it was <laughs> uh, too too adult. And you go. <laughs> Well, I haven't got that much material, so okay. <laughs> and then um, it was so the someone would come on and do the gig and do their five minutes, and then they'd have a break for about half an hour. So wow. the audience would go, and I was last on as well. And I just really didn't enjoy. It didn't feel like I was gigging. Right. I didn't feel like I was in a comedy club. I felt like I was a TV record, which you know, I guess as you get more experience, you learn how to deal with being in a studio instead of a yeah so yeah. that was fine and then the, the newcomer thing is such a thing that hangs over brand new acts because when you go up to edinburgh it costs you so much money you've only sort of got what you feel you've the way the industry works it feels you've got one chance to do well and yeah, never again yeah, yeah. and that isn't true because if you look at someone like kiri pritchard mclean who's doing phenomenally well her first edinburgh we were on at the same time and I remember, I hope she wouldn't mind me saying this, but I remember because we were on at six and they'd be on the walkie-talkies and they'd go, okay, can we have all the ticket sales for each thing? So I'd hear what other people were doing. And I was in maybe like a 50, 60-seater. And for some reason, I was really lucky, every day sold out. And I remember Kiri's and he'd come up and he'd go, we've got six in today, we've got 11 in today. Oh, God. And it just didn't quite... That year just didn't quite work. No, no. no. And then now she's flying. So she keeps going back, out. didn't she? It's great. Yeah, yeah. it's lovely to see. Um, it's it's another reason why the blog works. You're you're another classic example where you can watch comedians develop so well, mm -hmm. and she's a classic example. 
yeah. So then I was, one, I was, the main thing I was nervous about was losing so much money because I just didn't have the money mm-hmm. to lose. And then I'd really put a lot of heart into the show. Like I really, very proud of that show because it, it was the first time that I felt like I really put myself out there. I'd created it. I'd made, made little things that you might not notice, but someone else would not. Like, yeah, yeah. I just yeah. really worked on it. And um, it's always at the back of your head. You're like, you know, it's going well. The judges are coming in. Yeah. I never find out when reviewers or judges come in. <laughs> <laughs> Pointless. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you might as well do the show the best you can do it every day. And yeah, yeah. People, yeah. You know, the judges are in, so I'm going to do it better. You're like, just do it better anyway. <laughs> uh, and then I remember knowing that I was sort of maybe in the long list. And then you go, oh God, this might happen. <laughs> and then it was the day of the nominate when the, I knew the nominations were coming out. And there was a group of us, and we all just walked up Al, uh, Arthur's seat. And then just to sort of get away from it. And on the way down, I got a phone call. And I don't know what it was. I don't know whether it was the relief. I don't know whether it was the being part of, as I said before, I love like comedy history. And the amount of times before I'd gone up to Edinburgh, I'd sat and I'd looked at the list of nominees on Wikipedia. Yeah, 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 yeah. And be like, oh my God, like Harry Hill was nominated yeah, for yeah, yeah. Oh my God, Lee Evans did this and yeah. uh, Peter Kay did like, yeah, yeah. and then to be put onto that, I was like, I feel like I'm in the gang. Brilliant. That's so and good. Yeah, it, it was a real like, emotional day, but I was, I'm, it's still one of the proudest things that I've, I've done. And it doesn't really count. It doesn't really do much. <laughs> like a week later, I was back to doing terrible gigs in wherever, but. Well done you though. What a memory that is. That's brilliant. Yeah, really no, good, really good. Let's let's talk more about Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Um, I I'm very fortunate to be able to go to Edinburgh every year. The Fringe. Um, it's it's my holiday. I have a week there, and I see fifty shows on upwards. Wow. I see loads of stuff, and by yeah. the time I come back, I I need another holiday just to calm down. <laughs> um, my first year was twenty o five, and I've only missed the last two because of the um, pandemic. Yeah. What was your first ever Edinburgh Fringe like? I think it was 2012. Yeah. 12. And I'd just gone for a couple of days. So Steve Bajaya, if you know him. Fantastic. Just being on here. Yes. He's, so Steve was another one who was part of this. <coughs> really funny man. Yeah. <coughs> and me and Steve are really good friends. He's a great and bloke, yeah. We became friends quite early on. I can't remember why. And he said, oh, I've got a little room that you and Pete Otway can share. Yeah. It was basically, it was, a, it was an airing cupboard. <laughs> this will do. And it was dreadful. It was awful. And I, I really hated it the first time I went because it, it was so full on. Yeah. I didn't realise the festival was that big. I, I couldn't quite figure out what to see, what not to see, how to get gigs. I felt I didn't know anyone. So that, that was my first experience. And the year after, I went and did a package show with Steve and a couple of other people. People like, it was a good crop of people, actually. It was called the Lunchtime, Lunchtime Special. It was me, Fern Brady, yeah. Steve Bechea, Laura Lex, yeah. and Pierre Novelli. Brilliant. What a lineup. Oh, which yeah. is really good. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Think about it. Pretty good going. Then I enjoyed it more because I felt like, again, I was, I was probably part of something part of instead it, of yeah. being a bit like yeah. an outsider. Yeah. And I had a great time. Um, and then 2014, did the Comedy Reserve at the Pleasance. That's Again, the we three, get, isn't it? The go. three comedians do 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Who were the other two you were on there with? I think it was four when I did it. So it was me. Yeah. Chris Betts, who's yeah. a Canadian comedian. Evelyn Mock. Yeah. And then Phil Gerrard, who sadly passed away yeah, last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, I, it was great. Like, we all got to live together and... We got paid a little bit of money. I think we maybe got like 200 quid for the... And I was like, I can't believe I've got 200 quid. <laughs> uh, it was, it was unbelievable. <laughs> and then, so 2015 was... you Did you progress to your hour there? You've done... So that was the that was the year where I sort of like did like a half an hour, 35 right. minutes. Yeah. So lots of people call it a coward's hour. And <laughs> I think it's a sensible thing to do. Because yeah. if, if 
someone said to you, do you want to risk £10,000 that you don't have? But the year before you get to practice a bit, would you do that? I'm like, yes, of course I would. And I, I'd, I'd tell any comedian to do that. Yeah, yeah. So you, so, you, so you did half an hour, 45 minutes. Yeah, no, it definitely wasn't 45. If, if it was down for 45 minutes, it wasn't. It was the quickest it could be. And then 2016 was your first. It was my debut hour, hour yeah. Wow, so wow, I did 2016, 2017, 2018. All went well. Always tried to push it. Really, I couldn't really get nice. into 2018. I couldn't get in to see you. I wanted to see you. That was the year I was having a slight breakdown because I, I wrote my show in two weeks because I was really <laughs> And it had, a, it had a full band in it. Oh, mate. So it was <laughs> it was, um, I'll tell you what, I've got it on a, uh, I've, I've got it on a recording. And I'll send it, yes. Yeah, so oh, well, that's very kind of you. I'd love to yeah. see it. Um, uh, and and um, as I say, we're recording in Easter. Um, I'm going in August. Are you Are you at Edinburgh this year? Yeah, so I'm doing a, Great. Doing a show where it, about, well, I say what it's about. I've not really started yet. <laughs> but it's going to be, like I was talking about before, I want to create this thing where it feels like each show is for the audience. Yeah, yeah. we're all part of a thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know anyone that's really done it. Not that I feel like I mean, reinvented the wheel, but I just want to feel like I was saying about that, sort of like that old traditional Irish storyteller where it feels like we go, <laughs> we're all we're all locked into this moment instead of being on our phones or seeing thirty second clips <laughs> or trying to make something go viral. Brilliant. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to. That's going to be challenge. great. Well, yeah. um, I I I am amazed we've never actually met. So I'm gonna I'm I gonna know. meet you after the show when when we go to Edinburgh this year. I'm going. Uh, the middle week of August, so we'll 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 have a drink in the Pleasant Courtyard or something. Exactly, week. I'll take you for a cup of tea. Definitely, <laughs> my friend. Right, let's move on. Um, as well as a brilliant stand-up comedian, you're also an actor in films and television. Do you think there's a different approach to learning lines for acting as opposed to stand-up comedy? Yeah, like I'm again, I'm pretty lazy for learning. <laughs> I'm pretty yes. bad for it. <laughs> If I ever do an audition, I always, I'm always learning it literally minutes before. Right. I think there's sort of pros and cons for it where I think I can learn lines really quickly now because learning words has become my bread and butter. Yeah. But the comedian in me always seems to add a bit or, or take a bit out <laughs> as if, like, who do, I, who do I think I am? Sorry, editing someone's work, but... Um, it's sometimes when you get given a script to like read for an audition sometimes you just think it's a bit shit <laughs> sometimes you get I given some amazing stuff I hope this will improve stuff. my career but it's not very good <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> again so you it, see honesty <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know it's, I'm too honest with Will I mean I'm not going to name names how's this been made <laughs> um do, do you have any ambitions as a comedian? Do you want to have your own quiz show, radio show, anything like that? Do you know what? I've never been one of those comedians that... I, it's probably to my detriment a little bit, where I've never really had a plan. I've just sort of followed some of the trails that... Mm. You, you know, when you go like, right, well, you do gong shows and you try and get on the circuit, and then you get on the circuit, you try and go to Edinburgh and blah, 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 blah. blah. And I think that's really changed now. What I really want to do is, like, I'd, I'd love to, you know, I'd love to create a Taskmaster-esque show and, you know, sell it around the world and fantastic. pay off my mortgage and buy my mum an house. <laughs> That's fantastic. Deep down, I think what I want to do is I want to consistently get better. I love gigging. I don't think that I would ever, you know, whatever would happen in my career, I don't think I'd ever fully leave the circuit because I enjoy what the circuit holds. And I, it sounds really corny, but I, I think the world's so bad. I think it's really, like there's, there's beautiful little bits, but I think it's so terrible. Yeah. Like I just sort of want to create stuff that brings a bit of jo joy. Do you know what I mean? You and me both, mate. That's why I've got this. Yeah. For me, 
add a bit of positivity yeah, with, there's with so, so much doubt, negativity without a doubt. around the world and yeah. around comedy actually yeah, yeah. everyone's sort of fears of being cancelled people can't take a joke so yeah. much anymore yeah. and I think you put people in the room it's very hard to take something out of context when it's in the room yeah very and, very much so yeah yeah totally agree with you um how have you found online gigs during the pandemic as opposed to live gigs unfortunately i've only ever seen you online I've, i saw you at return of the crack uh, which oh, yeah. is um Jarlith regan's gig and i saw you always yeah, yeah. do comedy online um and you would you, your delivery is pitch perfect you just build up to a punchline and it's in a story that's wonderful and i'm i'm so looking forward to seeing you live i'm so pleased you do in edinburgh but um what what are your um experiences of doing online gigs do you like them i, I didn't mind them so no. much like there's nothing about like like being in the room but i think that we were all starved of any connection during the pandemic yeah i felt like these these nice little sort of online prohibition bars yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah and it was great that we could see everyone yeah yeah and you like it gives you a little bit more to play with in terms of like you get to see someone in the house and <laughs> i love like these are all my comedy biographies behind me <laughs> that's amazing like, you'd be amazed to see what some, well, i mean you would have seen it on where you get to have a look in people's houses like you could have you could have tied it up. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I didn't mind them. When I went back to gigging, I real because I think I tricked myself into thinking Zoom gigs are brilliant yeah. and they were fine. Yeah, they they served its purpose. But I think that when it went back to gigging, you went, oh, this is what it's this is what it's really about. Totally, totally agree with you. When it when it first started, the online. I don't know what I would have done without it because uh, you, you, you know it was it, it it was a means of getting everybody together online. But yeah. but but first off, um, when they first started, there was no audio, so um, <clears throat> you would go into uh, a comedy gig uh, yeah. online, and um, uh, I would sit there laughing at four walls because they couldn't hear me. I thought it was going to get <laughs> yeah. taken away with my laugh. But um, uh, um, when the audio came in, the comedians could um, get the beats of the jokes because the audiences yeah, yeah. were there and they could chat to them and it, it was great. But there's nothing beats a Saturday night going out for a few beers and then sitting in a comedy room, as I said before, because you're in the moment and yeah, yeah. you just don't know what, what what's going to happen. So um, thank God it's back. Uh, who are your favourite comedians, past and present? You did mention a few early on. So I've got, I've got loads. I love Dave Allen. I oh. think he is a. I don't think he's underrated, but I think in terms of stand up now, he's never involved in any conversations, and the way that man created routines. I don't think there's anyone better in my opinion totally agree yeah yeah, yeah. like I, I think the best routine that's ever been written is him trying to tell a kid how to tell a time <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's such a it's one of them where you as a comedian you watch it and you think god i wish i remember that <laughs> I, I like i like the clock story where the similar thing with the clock story where he, where he goes we are we are um determined by the clock ladies and gentlemen we get up we go to work by the clock oh, yeah. We have an evening meal by the clock. We go to bed by the clock. We do this for 35 years by the clock. And when we retire, what does your boss give you? A fucking clock. <laughs> Brilliant. I, 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 I love routines that have like a big... I love set pieces. Yeah, yeah. Just It's just the build I don't think there's loads of them anymore. No, I don't no. they, maybe comedy trends have changed, but I really love them. And then... I. Still to this day, love watching like Morecambe and Wise. I guess they're not stand-ups, but they're comedians. They're the reason why I do this blog. They they, they were the reason. They they they. I've seen everybody just about. I want to see, but I've never seen Morecambe and Wise. And about a month ago, a friend of mine who lives at Luton, they were opening up the Eric Morecambe Art Centre, and there was yeah. an afternoon dedicated to to him. With Parkinson was on, and Angela Rippon and Robin Ince was wow. on, and they were all. On. And I got to meet Gary Morecambe, and it was extraordinary. Oh. And I said to him, your dad and Ernie were the reason why. Because I think um, the earliest memory I've got is the whole family in Carlisle, however old or young they were, laughing at them. And it yeah. was, they were crying with laughter. It's just 
the ability to twiddle the glasses or it's just and extraordinary it was, it, extraordinary it felt like um i think the thing with eric morcom it feels very much like my i never really knew my granddad but it feels very granddad yeah 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 and then I, I, the same obviously never got to see him but i did go and see this show called eric and little learn yes which, yeah and that felt like because we were quite far back, yeah. Which was probably good because it looked like yeah. them then. Yeah, it, I've, I've seen everything as well, everything about yeah. them, and it was superb. I loved it. Was the, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, he, he was brilliant. I loved the live recording in the seventies. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it. I think um, it, well, it's called Eric and Ernie Live. And at the end of it, they walk on and they do a Q and A session, and he goes, "Anybody got any questions that they want to ask me?" And a girl right at the back of the audience said, yelled out, can I have your autograph after the show, Eric? And just off the top of his head, he goes, you can have it now if I had long arms. And that was the magic <laughs> of the man. You know, it was brilliant. He, they were fantastic. Any, any yeah. recent ones that you like? It must be loads. Yeah, there's loads. Who do I love watching? One of my favourites, and this is so different to them because I think they, I, I think they both bring, both of these people bring joy. But I think that um, Anthony Jesselnik, the American, quite roasty one-liner comedian, yeah, 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 is oh, yeah, <laughs> fantastic because he's dark, but you look, you, he's really endearing, he's really polished, yeah, yeah. He, I mean, I do love, I, I love sort of roast dark stuff. They're not, it's not really my thing. My thing's being. A cheeky gobshite. Like, <laughs> these pinpoint, and they're clearly jokes as well. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. He, he's very. He'd be very hard to cancel because he just—he's not trying to tell you about his life. <laughs> I think he's phenomenal. He is brilliant. I have seen him only on television though, but I've yeah, seen yeah. him on recording. He's—that's that—that's amazing. Um, and like me. Uh, whether as a comedian or before you were a comedian, did you go to a lot? Do you go to a lot of comedy gigs as a member of the audience? So now less so much, but I I used to before I started doing comedy. I'd yeah. go, I'd go every opportunity I could. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the only time I sort of get that release of going because I love seeing stuff and I love. I think my comedy taste is quite broad in terms of I I'm not like I just like weird comedy. I like physical. <laughs> I like everything. So when I go to Edinburgh... Hello, you and me both. You. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when I'm at Edinburgh, I'll go and see everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I love yeah. seeing... And do you know what? I think right now an hour is really hard. And sometimes people go, God, that hour was rubbish. To write an hour of anything, even to write an hour of someone saying the word and, and, yeah, and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be really hard. And I... Maybe because I've been through the through what everyone else has been through. No one's trying to make a bad show. And you you, you get to see what was in someone's head. I, re I just really like it. I, it's, I think it, that... There is something very, very special about the whole experience. And, and it... It's a lifetime thing, you know. This blog will carry on for until the day I die, you know. As long as I can yeah. go to a comedy gig, and and, <laughs> yeah. I, and I should trademark my laugh, get it insured or whatever. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just the most wonderful thing. Um, if you're on a bill of comedians, do you stay and watch uh, all the comedians if you can, or? Yeah, if, if yeah. I can. Yeah. Like I like the green. I like being in green rooms anyway. Um, as long as they're like positive green rooms, because it's very easy to absorb the industry negativity. And I've I've done it. I've been that comedian that's gone. Oh, why are they on that? Oh, why? It's not what it's about. Like it's only recently, maybe coming out of the pandemic, that I've gone. What was everyone doing? Um, most times, I usually be doubling up, so I usually have to run off somewhere. But I really love yeah. seeing. I do love. I do love watching. Either like friends of mine, just be brill, or seeing like I really like watching newer comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, congratulations again because I saw you recently supporting Joe Lysett on his yeah. tour. Amazing. Um, uh, who he's been on here as well. Um, and uh, your style of comedy is, as I say, very, very warm and above all, exceptionally funny. 
it's been an absolute joy talking to you. I could talk to you all night. It really is. And I'm so looking forward to coming to see you in Edinburgh. Just before we go, is there anything else you'd like to say? Is there any gigs coming up or any um, uh, uh, online podcasts, anything like that, or any social media that you want to mention? Plug away, my I've got friend. My social media is just like my Instagram that I mainly do stuff on, which yeah. is at Brennan Reese. Um, and then gigs are just normal. Do you know what I want to say? I think you're brilliant. And I don't know whether people say this, but it's so, like, I think music and bands and stuff, they get real followings. And I don't think there's many people that out and out love comedy. And it's really clear that you do. And it's really like, it's just one of those nice things where you go, oh, this is kind of worthwhile. <laughs> I just think a Thank you man. so so much for those kind words, and I do. I I I don't know what I'd do without it. I I um, I've I think I've found a niche with the blog and everything. But but it it what my message is obviously positive because it's such a wonderful thing. What's not to love about going to a comedy night? and laughing your socks off. It's just the yeah. best thing going. Um, thank you so much. I'm so looking forward to meeting you in Edinburgh in August, and I'll be first in the queue for your show. It's, it's, Amazing. It's just wonderful. All the very best to you now, and take care. Thank you so much. You too, mate. Thanks now.